And everyone is born with this protein and its basic function is a brain development. And since we started the organization, they've linked it to schizophrenia. We are now looking at it being some type of functional protein interacting with other proteins linked to Alzheimer's, possibly Parkinson's, Huntington's, all of these different memory type neurological disorders. It is just a fascinating protein that we believe has many, many mechanisms it controls, almost like the boss gene of the brain. That was Monica Weldon speaking about a recently discovered rare genetic disorder caused by a variant on the Syngap-1 gene. This disorder may be a significant factor in autism, epilepsy, and possibly other memory-related neurological disorders. On this episode of Looking Forward's Healthcare on the Horizon, our focus is on Syngap-1. Welcome to Looking Forward's Healthcare on the Horizon podcast. Healthcare on the Horizon is intended for both the general public and medical professionals. Our focus is on where things stand with the prevention, diagnosis, and treatment of various diseases and illnesses, and what may lie ahead for them. It is our goal to help you learn more about these medical conditions, and also to give you a clearer picture of the work being done right now to improve or eradicate their adverse impact. And like its older sister podcast, Looking Forward, Healthcare on the Horizon will look a bit into the future, in this case, to provide hopeful news about the various diseases and illnesses we shine a light on. We hope you'll find the information here useful in an educational sense, but also perhaps in a more personal way, should you, a family member, or a friend have one of the medical conditions we cover. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the premiere episode of Looking Forward's Healthcare on the Horizon. Today, we're going to learn about a genetic disorder referred to as Syngap-1. Most of us have probably never heard of Syngap-1. That's largely because it's only recently been identified. Research is showing it is a significant factor in autism, epilepsy, and possibly other disorders too, including Parkinson's disease, schizophrenia, and Alzheimer's disease. In this episode, we'll learn when the problems with the Syngap-1 gene were discovered, who this affects and where, how the Syngap-1 condition presents itself, what is being done right now to learn about this genetic disorder, and what may lie ahead in terms of the prevention, diagnosis, and treatment of Syngap-1 genetic abnormalities. To help us understand all this, We've brought on probably the best person out there to discuss this topic, Monica Weldon. When I tell you a little bit more about Monica, I think you'll understand why. Monica is the founder, president, and CEO of the Syngap One Foundation. Monica's twin son, Beckett, was the first to be diagnosed at Texas Children's Genetics Clinic with the gene mutation Syngap One. Over the past several years, Monica's focus has been building the programs and mission of the Syngap One Foundation. And as you'll soon hear, Monica's doing it. Monica is the primary investigator on the Syngap One Registry and Natural History Study, the largest in the world. You'll find much more about Monica if you go to our website, www.jeff-ostroff.com. 
Well, hi, Monica. Welcome to Looking Forward's Healthcare on the Horizon series. It's great to have you here. Well, thanks, Jeff. I'm really excited to be here and talk about my story. Yes. Well, we are, hate to say this, looking forward to it. So can you briefly tell us why and when you got involved with Syngap One, Monica? It was something I really didn't know anything about until you and I first spoke. Well, it's a short but long story. There was nothing actually before it when my son was diagnosed. He was the sixth one in the world diagnosed with Syngap-1 mutation. Uh, It's S-Y-N-G-A-P-1. And there was one clinical paper. My son had many problems in infancy and through the age of four before we got his diagnosis and started out with global developmental delay and went to the geneticist. He was the first one at Texas Children's diagnosed with this mutation. They gave me a 20% chance that it would be found on the exome DNA test in 2012 that was being done for research at the time. And that insurance probably wouldn't cover it. So I went and got a loan out and paid for the test. They uh, did bug the insurance company though a little bit and they paid for a little, but there was nothing out there but one clinical paper that said it showed intellectual disability And I looked at the geneticist and I said, what do you mean? This is 21st century. Why isn't there anything out there? I mean, modern medicine. He said, you know, there's just nothing. I mean, it's an ultra rare disease and couldn't stop there. So I started the first organization in the world based on the diagnosis my son had. Wow. Well, good for you to get actively involved in this. Can I ask you, how old is your son now and how is he doing? He's going to be 14 in 13 days, and he actually is a twin. So right now, he's kind of hitting puberty, and we had a kind of a grace period after we found out he had epilepsy at the age of five. But now we've hit puberty, and we've kind of had some difficult times going through that, just like any other teenager, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have twin girls. They're older than yours, but yep. Yep, yep, yep. Life's never boring. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Especially not at that age. So how is he doing at this point? Well, we are currently, you know, we've navigated through an epilepsy diagnosis. We have an autism diagnosis, sensory processing. I could like go down the list. So right now we're on several different medications to help control the symptoms. We do not have a treatment. Our organization is looking for a treatment to improve quality of life. And it's just been kind of a a short but long journey. (laughs) Yeah, well, I feel for you. And we'll get into the treatment thing in a little bit here because I do want you to talk about that. From what I've come to learn about Syngap-1, and I know there's so much more that you know about it, I know that it involves a number of potential diseases, such as the ones you mentioned with your son, autism and epilepsy. Can you give us a sense, Monica, as to when it was first identified, who and how many people it affects? Because again, a lot of us may not be aware of it, and yet it really does cover a wide variety of health issues. Well, Syngap-1 was originally discovered in 1998 in animal models. And we're, I guess, almost 20, 25 years out from that discovery. And it was discovered in humans in 2009. And just to note that my son was born in 2008. Wow. So we are definitely pioneers. It affects anywhere between 2 and 4% out of every 10,000 people with intellectual disability. 
and five out of every 500 with what they call an epileptic encephalopathy. So basically epilepsy. So it's an epilepsy gene. If you look at the world population, there are probably millions of people walking around with this particular gene mutation. Unfortunately, many of our severest cases are institutionalized. So technically, what this relates to is there was one paper noting that it caused intellectual disability in humans. But since we started the organization, which I have to add in here, it was one of the first organizations based on a gene mutation, just a gene, not a named disease. And people thought I was crazy. Well, it turns out I'm not. (laughs) And basically, we have ranges from children to adults. Mostly countries that have access to genetic testing were finding more cases. And in Europe, we have probably the oldest person, and he is institutionalized, unfortunately. He's in his 80s. I think his actual age is around 85, 88. We have the oldest patient in the United States. She just celebrated her birthday this few months ago. I think she is 67. We have many other adults been identified since we've started raising awareness in their 20s and 30s. But mostly, we have, of course, the younger population. It is definitely a pediatric disease since we've started raising awareness all over the world. And as for an international presence, since we've started the world's largest database collecting scientific data, we have about on the verge of 75 different countries that we have patients in. And in less than five years of starting the organization, we had reached every continent uh, on the planet. That's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't know what I stepped into when I had started this. It's been a whirlwind, but it, in a way it's good because it's given people hope. Can you speak specifically, you talked about epilepsy, Mm-hmm. You speak specifically to other kinds of health issues that Syngap1 is connected to. I think I heard you say autism. Yes, absolutely. I'd have to say 60% of our patient population has autism. But what makes this very significant in linking it to autism is three years ago, we discovered using the data out of our database that it's linked to sensory processing disorder. And usually you hear this issue in all autism patients. You know, you have the hearing, all the senses are affected. And sometimes it's just overstimulation. So besides that, it's most of our children are diagnosed with global developmental delay. They have speech impairments. Some are totally nonverbal. Some are semi-nonverbal. In the most severe cases, we have a few that can talk. They have, I would say... Digestive problems, now that we're looking at, many suffer from constipation because of the low muscle tone, both in their skeletal muscles and internal smooth muscles. We also have problems with pronated feet. A lot of our our children have hip dysplasia, and it seems to affect almost every body system. We just don't have enough data right now, since we're just now starting to like what we call clinical data, human data. We have in 20 plus, as I mentioned before, 20 plus years of animal model data. Now we just need to translate it. And just a quick follow-up to that. (laughs) It sounds like what you're saying is that there may be a lot of young children or adults Mm -hmm. who are walking around with autism that might be related to Syngap1 and they don't know it because they haven't had the genetic testing for it. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. And what's 
more interesting about this particular gene is, I should have mentioned before, it makes the protein Syngap. And everyone is born with this protein. And its basic function is a brain development. And since we started the organization, they've linked it to schizophrenia. We are now looking at it being some type of functional protein interacting with other proteins linked to Alzheimer's, possibly Parkinson's, Huntington's, all of these different memory type neurological disorders. It is just a fascinating protein that we believe has many, many mechanisms it controls, almost like the boss gene of the brain. Uh, of course, that hasn't been scientifically determined yet, but that's a, the theories that we think it's related to. Wow. The potential effect of this thing mm-hmm. in terms of the number of people sounds huge. I hope you're enjoying this first episode of Healthcare on the Horizon. If you are, I hope you'll do me a little favor and tell a family member, a friend, or a coworker or two about this episode and our podcast. We're going to cover lots of diseases and illnesses on the show, and no doubt several of them will be of interest or affect one or more of those within your network. Now let's get back to our conversation with Monica Weldon. Let Mm -hmm. me ask you a couple of other questions, and then we want to let people know how they can get in touch with you. Sure. Mm -hmm. Where do things stand now Mm -hmm. in terms of prevention, diagnosis, and treatment? Absolutely. Well, most of these, our patients, I should say, with Syngap1 mutations, like I said, start out with global developmental delay. But one of the most severest problems in this condition is epilepsy. And it's not like your typical seizure. Well, most people think the grand mal, but we've actually, in a patient community, have discovered several different, or two different types of seizures. Eating reflex seizures is one of those. Eating, actual eating and chewing, chewing reflex seizures cause seizures. You've got absence seizures, which if you think of ADHD, you know, the staring spells, the zoning out, these are probably the most severe symptoms. So in treatment, once they're diagnosed with epilepsy, they take anti-epileptics. We're learning a little bit more the progression of seizures. Fast forward, we're looking at a lot of repurposed drugs that possibly can help in uh, treatments and improving quality of life. But the most important thing is since we've moved into the research, a lot of biotechs are interested in gene therapy and also what they call ASOs, which are oligonucleotides. And it's, it's a form of a biologic And it would have to be administered through a spinal tap to get to the brain. Because that's one of the hardest things to do in treating neurological disorders is crossing that blood-brain barrier. And administering these type medications, an ASO would actually amp up the good allele on the gene and not really focus on the bad allele, increasing the amount of protein. That's what an ASO does. And in gene therapy, you would be thinking about correcting the gene itself. And we're just In the last seven and a half years since we began, we've accelerated this process unbelievably and hopefully into clinical trials within the next three to four years. Well, that's really exciting. And I just want you to perhaps crystallize this in one sense. Looking forward is not only about looking into the future, but we're hopeful. We're looking forward (laughs) to something, right? So in a nutshell, 
the looking forward positive aspect, the hope here, Mm -hmm. the ray of hope is that there are companies actively working on treatments. Can you just say briefly a little bit more about that? Absolutely. When we determined in looking at one of, one of our scientists that we work with out of Scripps, Florida, did like the pediatric mice, I would say, between he was able to actually cure the infant mice from birth to two weeks, which translates from birth to seven years in a human or, or thereabouts. And he, in our first international meeting, he said, he goes, I think I upset all of the parents when I didn't say anything about adolescents and adults. Well, he went back to the lab and started testing on the adult animal models with similar things. And turns out that the animal models were basically eliminated from all the epilepsy, all the epilepsy seizure problems. But it also included the improvement of memory and cognition in these adult animal models to be able to function with a little bit higher quality of life, which has given us hope as a patient community to know that there's a possibility that we could actually treat the adults that have been diagnosed with this. And so that's why it's so important to get a spectrum of diagnoses from pediatrics all the way to adults. It's just super important. That is hopeful. That is hopeful. (laughs) So before we let you go, this is very important Mm -hmm. for anybody out there who either themselves or somebody they love, whether it be an adult or a child, may potentially want to learn more about Syngap One. Mm -hmm. Maybe they want to be involved in some way in supporting your organization. Maybe they want to donate to your organization. Mm -hmm. What suggestions would you have for them? Well, we are all over social media. The one resource that we have that's probably the greatest, informative, most educational source is our website, which is www.syngap1foundation.org. And it's S-Y-N-G-A-P, the number one, foundation.org. And I also want to note that we are in the United States. But there are several other organizations all over the world that have started to serve their communities. Example, Canada, Germany, the UK. We've got organizations that have popped up all over so that these families can serve their communities locally, which they've discovered other families within their own communities, which is exciting because the more people we have, the better off we're going to be when we get to clinical trials because you have to have people to have clinical trials. Exactly. And Monica, when you talk about the other countries having groups, and that's Mm -hmm. wonderful, people can find out about those other groups through the website that you mentioned, which I'll also be posting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, our partnerships and the collaborations we have are also on our website. And some of the companies and other organizations that are even outside of Syngap One that we partner with, because we believe this, of course, this protein is linked into so many other disorders, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, just as I mentioned before. And, you know, we believe that this is going to link up so many other disorders because what if what we find is going to help some other group that is suffering from other similar symptoms as ours? So it's just an incredible 
door opening for even other communities. So yes, a great door opening. And on your site, do they learn a little bit or through your group, can they learn a little bit about genetic testing? Yeah. In fact, we partner with a group called Ambit Cares and they provide genetic counseling. They provide genetic testing. It's not just our community. So they focus on other disorders as well. And that is also on our website. We have information about Syngap-1. We've also got have a lot of our publications that we have and clinical studies that we've done. So if you happen to be have a loved one that's diagnosed with this, there's a way to get involved on our website. And of course, donate. We'll take volunteers. You know, we take money. We, we take in-kind donations. All those different things. Well, this has been great having you on the show. I commend you, Monica, for everything you're doing, not only in raising your son, but in making other people aware of what's out there and the potential issues created by Syngap-1. Monica spells her last name W-L-D-O-N-M-O-N-I-C-A. And I thank you again for being our guest on Looking Forward, Monica. Well, it has been a pleasure. And obviously, if anybody needs anything, feel free to reach out. Absolutely. Well, that's it for episode number one of Looking Forward's Healthcare on the Horizon podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Monica Weldon and that you've learned a bit more about Syngap-1. And if you're someone who may have a condition that could be linked to the mutant Syngap-1 gene, or if you know someone like that, I hope what you've learned today, or what they've learned today, will be of even greater benefit. If you want to learn more about this podcast and its older sister podcast, Looking Forward, please visit the website www.jeff-ostroff.com. If you have any suggestions for future topics on this podcast, please send them in using the Contact Us page on the website. Finally, if you like this episode, please tell anyone who you think might benefit from it to listen. Thanks.